0: 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through verse 10. When you have it, say, I have the bread. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he responded, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, believe it or not, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions. In distresses, for Christ's sake. Why? For when I am weak, then am I strong. And all of God's people said, "Amen." Amen. You can look at the person beside you as you be seated. Tell them, don't move the ladder. Don't move the ladder. It was spoken over me as a child that I would travel all over this world. And that I would share the gospel to nations across the globe. I am humbled to say that I have watched it come to pass in my life. I say humble because I don't have a sense of entitlement to these experiences. I don't. I'm not acting like um, all of this was my normal existence growing up and that I'm not impressed. To be quite frank, hailing from my very blessed but very humble background, anywhere God took me beyond the city limits of Gretna, Virginia, amazes me. Any hotel suite bigger than the bedroom in the mobile home I grew up in makes me feel like a king. Any car I could drive without wondering, will it start today, (laughs) makes me feel as though I have arrived. All I'm saying is I acknowledge my opportunities to travel around the world. It makes me feel simply blessed, more blessed than I deserve, more blessed than I could ever imagine. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, I am blessed. Not will be blessed, but I am blessed right now. The family I have makes me blessed. The the job that I pray for, that I complain about, (laughs) hallelujah, somebody shall bless. Because of my extensive travel, oftentimes Walter people will inquire of me asking, what is my favorite place to visit? I hate being cornered into questions like that because I I have a diversified uh, opinion of that. I like the palm trees of the West Coast and the almost Mars-like landscape of Arizona and Palm Springs, California. I love the cuisine of India all the way from Hyderabad to Kerala. And of course, Brazil. It's like a second home to me with the romantic Portuguese language. Hey, uh, <laughs> But there's nothing like the old historical landmarks of London with them double deck buses and the marks left in Mongolia of Genghis Khan's empire and the breathtaking beauty, I gotta mention this, the breathtaking beauty of Cape Town, South Africa. Wow. All of these places are really nice, but there's one place. There's one place. I know some of y'all gonna say Altebusta, but listen. (laughs) shout out to Althavis there's one place I absolutely love and say it's my favorite place and that's Yisrael Israel the holy land why you may ask well there's many things I mean the modern city and amazing beaches of Tel Aviv the Golan Heights the epicenter of the world's three largest monotheistic religions In the same street, you got rabbis, Muslim imams, and orthodox priests bumping into each other in the same streets. It's a special place. Why? Because I get to walk in the footsteps of Yeshua, of my Savior. The Garden of Gethsemane is there where he prayed. The Sea of Galilee where he walked on water is still there. The Jordan River where he was baptized is still there the second temple steps that he would have walked on is still there and to go to that place where he died and was buried okay the place where he was buried now that's complicated <laughs> because when you go there depend on who your tour guide is that says this is where he was buried and then another two guy said, no, this is where he's, he was buried. Two different sites in Israel that claim to be the site of the tomb. One site is called the garden tomb. And I really love this place. Many historians believe this is the place. Why? Because it's a garden and nearby it is a mountain. And in the rocks is the shape of a skull. They call it Golgotha. So this has to be the place. But there's another place It's called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Why you may ask, do they believe this is the place? Because during the time of Jesus, this location would have been outside of the city walls. And Jesus was crucified where? Outside, outside of the walls. And Jesus was crucified uh, and where he was crucified in the early years, they would have marked it by building a church. So generations later, this is believed to be the place where he was buried. And why is this place so fascinating to me? Why would I take you through that long journey? Because it's a Christian site, but which Christians? This is why I always have a challenge when you all want me uh, to make America the church. Because <laughs> I'm always wondering which church. <laughs> yes, I know the moral values and the particular things that we all agree on. But the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is ran by Christians But the Muslim family with a key. (laughs) Why? Because which Christians? Six churches hold claim to this one church. Greek Orthodox Church. Armenian Apostolic. Not our apostolic. Armenian Apostolic. Roman Catholic Church. Coptic Church. Those Egyptian Christians. The Ethiopian Church. And the Syriac Orthodox Church. Six churches in one building. Imagine. Mm. All six churches have to share spaces and corners in this place. Not one church owns control to the point a Muslim family for generations has had to hold the key because the churches don't trust each other. They all have to operate within a corner, Nate. The truth is, at one or more of them, uh, one or more of them had been one group at one time. But you know how we do We split. We go into sects and sectors and we create different denominations. So what did the Church of the Holy Sepulchre teach me? Here you go, note takers. All past relationships are not to be repaired. Mm -hmm. All past relationships are not to be repaired. Some of them have to be redefined. See, when you repair something, you return it back to its original shape. The truth is, we may never be what we were. It doesn't mean we hate each other. It doesn't mean there's unforgiveness. It just means what it was is no more. Because anything you carry past its expiration date has the potential to spoil. They got five points. I'm going to move on. So all of these sex. All of these denominations are serving in the same space together, but separate. Number two, boundaries are healthy. I'm glad you already shouted. This is good right here. This is good temperature. I got your attention. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, boundaries are healthy. Boundaries are healthy, but to those who are unhealthy, boundaries are offensive. No one but God has permission to have total access to you all the time. Someone who is unhealthy will perceive your need for space as abandonment. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, get well, get well. An unhealthy friend will make you feel that you having other friends outside of them is rejection. Even in healthy marriage allows space for the spouse. If I'm sitting in a corner reading a book and you sit at the corner of the bed just staring at me, it's cute at first. Then after a while I'm saying, you ain't got nothing to do? You Go wash some dish, mow a grass. Amen. I want to ask you a question. Can your relationship with God handle space? I mean, if you can't feel him, will you stop serving him? If he don't answer you quickly, will you stop worshiping him? Mm. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Let me go to the next point. Point three. Stop trying to make people more like you. In order for them to be more like Jesus. Diversity is not weakness. Sometimes when we look at different denominations and cultural expressions in Christianity, we start crying out for the desire for unity. If we could just all come together, have y'all heard this right? We could all just come together. That's good. Unity is good. But the truth is, most times when people are asking for unity, that's not what they desire. They don't want unity. They want uniformity. Uniformity is, is simple sameness. That means we all think exactly the same, same thought perspective, same approach. Uniformity is not required for unity. And at times, it's a detriment to unity. It's weakness. Uniformity discourages creativity. It replaces the variety of human responses with a stated response, talking points that is deemed acceptable for the entire group. I want to say this to you in this room. Be who God has called you to be. Do it like God gave it to you to do it. Fellowship with other believers and even in relationships. Hmm. Fellowship and relationships should not come at the expense of you losing your identity. Hmm. As humans, we're always trying to conquer each other. We really are. We do it in Friendships. We do it in the workplace. We do it in marriage. We do it in ministry. We try to conquer one another. But the moment you are conquered is the moment you're dying. You got to be careful. You got to be careful if you can't handle diversity in your marriage. Y'all don't have to agree on everything. As a matter of fact, sometimes you got to agree to disagree. Well, that's not the team I like. I mean, you know, I don't like, I just don't think the Cowboys are the best. T- I mean, I'm just it's hypothetical. Just, you know. All right, all right. all right. I'm Just calm down. All right. Oh, come on. Washington is in the house. Amen. I don't know what we are this week. Are we the command? Or what are we this week? We're not the Redskins anymore. right? My point is, if you cannot handle the diversity of thought, where you have to snuff out somebody's creativity to be in relationship with you, once the tension is removed you may think you all are in a better place than what you really are because sometimes when people get silent it's not a sign that they're happy it may be a sign that they're dying and this is how people wake up one morning 10 years later and says i can't do this anymore and you're like what you mean we're in the best place we ever been no you're in the best place you've ever been i stopped breathing 10 years ago when you stop listening i stop talking Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, don't get conquered. Don't get conquered. Keep your voice. All right. I know. I understand. My next point. I don't know what number I'm on. What number I'm on? Four. Share the space. I know you want to own it. I know you want to be in control of it. But in this season, you got to share the space with some people that are not easy to get along with. You got to share the space sometimes with your past and you don't get to always remove it. What I'm trying to tell you is that you may not be, it may not be the perfect agreement, but hold your ground. If you retreat, you will have less than what you have now. Share spaces mature you. Whether in the military or in prison, shared spaces give you discipline. Shared spaces require you get up at a certain time and you lay down at a certain time. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, it's a purpose behind all of it. You have to share space with what you like and what you don't like, what you prefer and what you don't prefer. My next point is stop waiting for things to be perfect encourage somebody beside you tell them stop waiting stop waiting things will never be perfect for you because you're measuring perfection by your own imperfection I'm almost finished for real if you're waiting for things to be perfect you're never going to get married if you keep waiting for the time to be right you're never going to start your business you're never going to go back to school you're never going to write the book Stop waiting for someone or something else to happen before you live. Stop waiting for me. Stop waiting to have a child. Take your life off a pause. Waiting for somebody to choose you. The church of the Holy Sepulchre taught me that things are not perfect, but it doesn't keep them from worshiping. (laughs) When you go to the church of the Holy Sepulchre, the Ethiopians up in the corner singing a song in their language. The coptics are over here they're worshiping with the coptic cross and the orthodox are swinging incense and they're all in the same space in their corner it ain't perfect but it don't stop them from worshiping what's going on in your life that you're waiting to get in order before you become a worshiper what's going on in your life that you're waiting to get in line before you surrender to god scream at your neighbor tell your neighbor it don't have to be perfect I want to make this point and I want to close out. Deliverance is not always something being taken away from you. Sometimes it's you taking something with you. Uh oh. Uh oh. In other words, hear me, hear me. In other words, there are some things you're going to have to learn to live. With, yeah. I know ain't going to be no praise break out of this I get it because I'm Pentecostal apostolic I believe in oil speaking in tongues and laying on hands I believe in all of it I believe in instantaneous deliverance because I've watched God do it I've watched God do it I've watched, I've watched alcoholics come into church and God sober them up they never drink again. Hallelujah. I didn't watch God strip things and appetites and desires from people's lives, and their lives were transformed instantaneously. I remember Elder Walter talking about how he came and after smoking weed every day from the age of like 13 or 14 years old, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost and one day and he never touched it again. Wow. So I know the deliverance power of God. <sighs> But if I don't talk to you, Pastor White, about this side of it, there's going to be a culture or a generation of people who grow up in church and then they will depart from the church, not because they don't love God, but because they'll feel like they're never good enough for God. The way some people ended up in false doctrines and false teaching It's not because they were looking for false doctrine, but the despondency of trying to live a holy life and still having proclivities and desires that are not in line with the holy scriptures. It is called some that says, if I can't do it right, I won't do it at all. So they'll perceive a lie as the truth just so they'll feel good about themselves. Yes, God can deliver. Shh. And I'm not telling you that God won't take it and I'm not telling you that He's he can't take it and he's not going to do it. I'm telling you until he do it, you've got to learn how to live with it oh look y'all didn't got tight on me in here but all of you in here to say you know what i'm talking about there's some things that god took from you immediately there's some things you used to do you don't do no more and there's some other things you still dealing with after you got the holy ghost after you got baptized after you joined the church and lay hands on your neighbor and tell him and i'm still saved Hallelujah. You can't wait for deliverance before you start living. Before you start serving. Before you start dreaming. Hear me. The children of Israel waited on deliverance. They were in bondage for 400 years waiting on deliverance. But in the midst of it, they still got married. In the midst of it, they still were having babies. They got in the wilderness and they built a tabernacle and they kept worshiping while they were waiting on deliverance. Who? Hey, guy who was a gang member who's saved now told me, yeah, man, you don't know what God brought me for? God brought me for mighty long ways. Man, I got shot up. I mean, they sprayed my cart. I had bullets all in me. He said, I still got a bullet in me now. I said, Really? I said, you might want to get that, get that out. He said, no, 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 no. He said, it's so close to my spine. The doctor said, don't touch it. Because if you touch it, it could end up causing me to be paralyzed. So it's best just to leave it there. Because so some kind of way, it, that bullet staying where it is, is fixing it where I can still walk. I'm sorry. And so, if you go, if you go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, where all these churches are in it, I want you to put up a picture of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre for me. who? I mean, it started off as a little small church built on another and another church and another church. And so when you go in, every corner of it is filled with the church. a church—a different denomination, a different stream, a different sect. The challenge is when you got six churches. Anything you do to update the church or to fix, you got to have everybody's agreement. And y'all know it's hard for us to agree. When we got ready to pick the color of this floor. Right here, we just took about five or six of us, and I mean, that was a piece of work, amen. And that's just our church. And five? No, I'm just saying. I was just saying, the the people, the people. So as you see, to the point that was a challenge. That was a challenge that happened a few few years ago. It was a whole out brawl between the Coptic Church. The Coptic monks and the Ethiopian priest, because the Coptics put up a chair on their side of the roof. Right. But I guess the sun hit a certain way one day. And so the Coptic monk decided to slide his chair a little bit over to the shade and they had a whole out brawl because the Ethiopians saw this as a move into their space. So, so, you know, any decision go be complicated. So when I went to the, to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, I want to be where Jesus was buried. But if you look closely, up, it looks like they're doing some renovations on the left. But if you look on the second level near the window, give me another picture There's something, there's a ladder there. And most of us would consider, oh, they're just doing some renovations. But this ladder has been there since the 1800s. And they said, we don't touch it. Because we don't know where it came from. We don't know when it got here. We didn't ask for it. We don't know who owns it, but it's on us. As a matter of fact, there are people who were born into these families. And this ladder has been up against the church even before they were born. And then they've inherited a predicament that they are not allowed to touch. Mm, hallelujah I didn't ask for it this is not my luck hallelujah it doesn't look good it's not pretty it's not cosmetic but I don't have permission to touch it hallelujah and apostle Paul said I am an apostle of God and people are amazed by my biblical revelation they are amazed about the power that they are amazed because they saw hallelujah a man by the name of utica stole out of the window dead and they saw me lay my body on him and he came back alive they saw it they saw it they saw me stand before king agrippa and make a defense for the faith to the point king agrippa almost got converted and became a believer they saw it they watched me be on the island of meletus and a snake bit me and the people waited for me to swell up and die and I shook off the snake and I kept living they saw it but still yet Paul out of all you've done in ministry out of all you know you get over here to preach to us and you start making tents what makes you so humble what makes you so what makes you so grounded Paul said well since you ask because of the abundance of revelation that I have, hallelujah, because there are some things yeah, Paul says, I know y'all like my preaching, but there' are some things I ain't never told you, because God took me up in the third heaven i didn 't know whether I was living or whether I was dead. Saw some things. I know y'all talk about what John saw, but I, John, was able to tell you what he saw. He wrote a whole book called Revelation, so you can know what he saw. But there's some things I saw that I still don't have permission to speak. I can't write it in a letter. But I'm, but what Jesus? said, I've been afflicted. I'm afflicted. I'm an apostle and afflicted. I'm an apostle and I'm, a, I'm afflicted. He says, so I don't get big headed. There has been given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. Now, now the challenge with this Danny is that it's given to me to help me but it's a messenger of Satan. I I would call it a blessing But the script says it's given to me But it's a messenger of Satan And I want some of y'all to get this revelation Because some of you have continued to put God On the same level with the devil but God says I am the Lord and besides me no one is even equal to me don't forget you're fighting an enemy that's already defeated oh no, you ought to live different hallelujah that ought to make you operate different scream at somebody tell him he's already defeated But he's defeated, but he's still operating. Why when Satan fell out of heaven? Why even after the resurrection when Jesus says all power is given unto me? Why was he not bound then? Why has he still been given permission to plague the earth? Hear me? Because you must consider that the punishment of Satan is that he's a servant to the purpose of God. Even in your life and I know you can look at it in the world but even in your world that the punishment of Satan is said he serves the purpose of God even when he don't want to you already know because you know the scripture all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord I need you to push somebody to tell them out of town it's working for you the lies they told working for you. You getting fired from that job It's working for you. The divorce is working for you. Now somebody said, did God want that for me? No, God didn't want it for you, but he went before you and he calculated that everything the devil tried to use to destroy you, it turns around for your good. I need about 50 people in here to praise him because the devil had a plot, but God plan and the plan of the Lord will prevail I need you to get out of your seat and tell five people tell them it's working for you it's working you're trying to be depressed about it but it's working for you you've been frustrated about it but it's working for you don't move the ladder it's working for you Stop focusing on it. Keep worshiping. Stop. Fo- stop. I need to stop. I need to move. I need. Stop focusing on it. Because what you focus on is what you strengthen. Worship. Paul says, "I was given a thorn to the point." To the point everybody for generations have been trying to find out what's Paul's thorn? Some scholars said it was his eyesight, it was his vision. Right? It was his vision. Some said, some said, sorry, like a quartet song. Some said, "What I, all right. All right yeah, thank you. Some said uh, it, was, it was because of his identity. He had a complexity in his identity because he has Roman citizenship, but he's a Jew. Some people say it's sexual proclivities, whether it's same-sex attraction or whether it's a diversity of sexual fluidness. Because Paul, because don't nobody write about sexual sins like Paul do. And one time he listed a whole bunch of sexual sins and he says, some were some of us, but we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. You know, preachers have a way of hiding their own stuff in their own message. Y'all get out of my business. Get out of my business. Don't you try. I I felt you in this room. What's my point is the Bible didn't tell us. You know why? Look at your neighbor and tell him it ain't your business you know what your thorn is. See, if Paul would have identified it, we would have called that the thorn. Ha-ha. But hallelujah, the thorn is just a symbol of what's going on with you. But one thing I do know what the Bible says this about this thorn, and I can identify it a little closer, because the Bible says this thorn is not in his spirit, this thorn is in his it's in his flesh. I need you to scream at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, I'm saved. But I got some flesh issues. I got the Holy Ghost, but I got some flesh issues. That's why when you see me praying, I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to bring my flesh under subjection when I would do good. oh don't talk. Y'all get up off of me and be honest. All of us, you ain't dead yet. You still got some flesh issues. But thanks be to God, who give it us the victory? Come on under your shot. Hey. Scream at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, don't move the ladder. Oh. Paul. Paul says, I'm trying to serve you, God. I'm trying to serve you. I'm, I'm really trying to serve you now and I don't, want to, I don't want you to be put to shame so Lord hallelujah move that ladder cause it don't look good move it and he says it and I'm gonna tell you I love apostle Paul and I honor him but he said he prayed three times I got you beat I honor you but I got you beat Or maybe Paul just had more wisdom than I had. Maybe some of us are consistently praying about something because we don't have resolve yet to perceive God's will. So you keep praying, hoping he'll change his mind. Oh, my God. And and, uh, he said, he said, take it, take it. And the Lord responded. Not what he wanted to hear. My grace is sufficient. That's not saying I'm going to move it. He says, I'm giving you grace to live with it. Wow. That's not what I wanted to hear. No, uh no. He says, I know you want to move it, but hear me. If that ladder gets moved, chaos is going to break out in your life. Some kind of way that ladder is keeping you at the foot of the cross. That ladder is keeping you from being judgmental. That ladder is keeping you out of gossip circles. Y'all not saying none of that. That ladder is keeping you in consecration because some of us know if it gets removed we're going to become another version of ourselves. It's through our brokenness that keeps us close to God. I need you to tell your neighbor brokenness is attractive to God. Not your answers, but your questions are attractive to God. It's attractive. Okay, oh, I know, I know, no, no, no. But there are some parts of you you don't know. And, and, and you're not anointed until you have to be anointed and walk out your own inward contradictions that you are everybody else's encourager that deals with discouragement. Yes, Hallelujah! You're everybody's deliverance minister when the truth is, some things you thought you were totally delivered from. Oh, yes, to and that's why it's hard for some saints to testify because I want you to testify about how God delivered you from suicidal thoughts. Well, you want to be honest, Bishop, it won't that long ago it came back. And I thought, by now I would be somewhere different the ladder has been there since the 1800's by now I thought it would be a resolve by now I thought I would conquer my insecurity (sighs) you battling insecurity keep coming to the podium you don't feel like you're good enough keep showing up for what you're good enough for yeah, the ladder, the ladder's still there. Paul, I'm not moving it because when you're weak, he says, then that's where you're really strong. Because when you're strong in your own might, you have set yourself up for failure. Who? One of the, one of the. One of the greatest compliments I feel like I get is also a very sad compliment I get. You know what people tell me? People stopped me yesterday at the funeral and said, oh, can I take pictures with you? I said, sure, I, mean, I don't feel like I'm nobody great, but God, I'll take a picture with you. Thank you. And people always say, you see, you're so, you're so nice. You're so humble. I appreciate that compliment, but that's sad that that has to be a compliment for preachers. That is sad. I mean, because I know some people, but you said you're so nice. But I got to tell them a secret. I got to tell them a secret. I got a revelation. God don't keep me. I won't be kept. I got a secret. Yes, I got a secret. I'm so blessed. I, got, I, I, I sleep in a good bed. I ride in a nice car. But I got a revelation that God can blow on it today. And I lose it all by tonight. Ooh, I know, see, I know something that y'all don't know. That people who are clapping for you today and shout Hosanna, Hosanna today, they can turn around and crucify you by morning. I got a revelation. Unless God keep the city, the watchmen watch it in vain. Lest the Lord build the house, the laborers labor in vain. Tell your neighbor. I got a ladder that can't be moved. There's a ladder in my life. It's an obstruction to beauty. Don't know where it came from. I didn't ask for it, but I don't have permission to erase it. But you know what? You know what I found out that I have a I got a flesh issue. That's not where it ends with me. Yes, I got a flesh issue, but I also have a treasure. I have a treasure. My mind goes crazy sometimes, but I can't deny the treasure. Sometimes depression starts pulling on me again, but I still got a treasure. And that treasure is in the earthen vessel. Excellency will be of God and not of us. Maybe you've been waiting for things to be perfect before you worship. But maybe with revelation, maybe with this understanding, maybe you should worship now. Maybe you should worship now because you're so strong but maybe you should worship because you're so weak (laughs) I told a preacher recently I'm I'm trying to talk to him about the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues I have a lot of colleagues and friends there they're not anti-tongues they just don't speak in tongues and they're preachers and I told them and they asked me the other day they said well why do you speak in tongues and um I told him, I said, um, because I'm so weak. And they looked at me and said, huh? I said, no, I speak, it. I speak in tongues all the time. I'm serious. I, went, I was in the office today, and I was sitting going over this message, and I said, oh, and I started speaking in tongues. Pastor Westgate said, oh. <laughs> I, said, I said, I'm sorry. Because I'm speaking in tongues all the time. I mean, not as much as Joshua Lane. It's always teasing He's speaking in tongues all the time. I speak in tongues a lot. Not because I'm so strong or it's a badge of how spiritual I am. The Bible says the Spirit helps my weaknesses. Jude 1 and 20 says it builds up my faith. Sometimes when you hear me praying in tongues, I'm not trying to impress you. I'm saying I'm being reminded, unless God do this through me, I can't do this every Sunday. Woo! unless God do this in me unless God do this in me I can't do marriage come on y'all talk to me unless God do it through me people are bragging about y'all they're bragging about y'all's marriage they're bragging about your parenting skills they're bragging about what y'all have and the house you live in but somebody lift up your hands and begin to worship it's a sign unless God does it through me anything good about me has to be gone it has to be God so all over this place I want you to magnify him with the fruit of your lips I'm finished now it's your turn it's your turn today's message is not worship God so he can pull you out of it today's message is not worship God and he's gonna take it away from you today's message is worship God and let him sustain you in it I'm not telling you he'll never take it but that needs to be a worship that says if you don't give me your grace to live with it give me your grace to fight it give me your grace fix it where there's a border like the ocean where I'll never be overtaken fix it where there's a border where I'll never be overwhelmed but if I have to fight for the rest of my life let me endure hardness as a good soldier if I have to fight my inward emotions if I have to fight my toxic mind thought patterns if I have to fight my mother's demons and my grandfather's demons Lord just don't let it overtake me just don't let it overtake me. I'll keep fighting. Just don't let it overtake. Give me the grace. I need about a hundred more of you to lift up your hands in this room and open, another open up your mouth. This message may not have been for everybody, but if God is talking to you, I need you to come kneel at this altar and say, Lord, give me grace. Give me grace. Give me grace. Give me grace. I'll be honest. I've been struggling. Give me grace. I've been struggling. Give me grace. Struggling in my mind. Struggling in my emotions. Give me worship. Give me grace, God. If you don't move it, Give me grace, give me grace, dealing with habits, dealing with habits, things I wish would be behind me, things I wish I would be past, give me grace Lord, give me, give me grace, give me grace, give me grace, well, I hallelujah. If this is my journey, Lord, I embrace it. If this is my assignment, Lord, I embrace it. Hey, 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 Lord, I embrace it. Give me grace. Hey, this is Bishop Sy Younger. Thank you for watching this video and now what I need you to do is like and subscribe to this YouTube channel so you can continue to get more inspirational, motivational and gospel content in your direction.